Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we are going to continue our discussion on baptism from last time, asking the question, what is baptism anyway, and why should I be baptized? Well, in its basic form, baptism is an act of association or identification with someone, some group, some message, or some event. And you may think, well, what do, what do I mean, someone, some group, some message, or some event? I thought baptism was clearly just a Christian thing. Actually, it wasn't originally just a Christian thing. Many um, organizations or groups or even cults would baptize into their group. And so this is not a purely Christian thing, but the baptism act identifies you with a specific uh, group, a specific person, a specific message, or something of that nature. There's a couple other things to think about with baptism as well. Um, First of all, it eliminates the possibility, Christian baptism eliminates the possibility of secret disciples because it's a public event. It's something that we do out in public to show others our, our identification. And in this situation, as we're going to take a look in a moment, identification with Christ, um, that eliminates the opportunity for someone to, to act like a secret disciple um, because it gets it out in the open. Now, baptism itself is not actually an English word. It's a Greek word that was transliterated into English. And you say, well, transliterated. I know what translated is. What's transliterated? Transliterated is when you take the word from another language and you just change the letters from that language to the English language. So, for instance, in... Uh, Greek, the word baptizo is the, the verb, and they just take and the beta becomes a B, the alpha becomes an A, the pi becomes a P, the tau becomes a T, etc., um, so that it becomes baptism, which is really just a word that was created because there was no English word to describe it. And what it means in the original language is to dip or dunk under a liquid. In fact, they have found fragments of a recipe for pickles um, in some ancient manuscripts. And the recipe for pickles are you take the cucumber and you baptize it in vinegar. And so you have to dip it under, you have to soak it um, underneath the vinegar. Now, obviously, Christian baptism isn't under vinegar, it's in water. And baptism signifies the change that has already taken place in, in the believer. So see our last podcast if you want a discussion on whether baptism saves you or not. Um, we're not going to focus on that today because we already did that last time. But we're going to start with the same verse we started with last time. That's Acts chapter 2 in verse 38 that says, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And remember, as we talked about this, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. It's repent and then be baptized in Jesus because you have been forgiven of your sins, because it's already a, a thing that's already happened. And it's to signify the change. So the baptism is to signify the repentance. It is to show the repentance uh, to the rest of the world, whereas um, it may take more time otherwise to show that repentance. Acts chapter 9 and verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. This is, or uh, chapter 9, excuse me, um, this is when Paul was baptized after he was uh, met by Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Um, and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. And so he was baptized after he had already acknowledged Jesus as the Christ and as Lord. Acts chapter 16 uh, beginning in verse 29. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. This is after Paul and Silas were thrown into a Philippian jail. This is the jailer now coming in, calling for lights, rushing in, falling down before Paul and Silas because they didn't flee. They just stayed there after the earthquake opened the door. Verse 30, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So it's pretty straightforward. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Verse 32, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. Now, why were he and his household baptized? Because they had already believed. And so they wanted to identify and signify the change that had already taken place in their lives. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Now, the baptism, as we talked about last time, does not wash away their sins. It's that their sins are washed away. And so they are getting up and being baptized to show the world that they are already a believer in Jesus. Now, Baptism is also a symbol of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Romans chapter 6, in verses 3 through 6, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. The actual process of baptism, of someone being 
dunked under the water and then coming back out is a picture of Jesus' death as they go under the water, his burial as they are under the water, and his resurrection as they come out of the water. So it's a, it's a picture of what Jesus has already done for us and why we have our salvation. Colossians chapter 2 verses 12 to 14, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And so there's that picture that when we go under, we are identifying directly and symbolically with his death, his burial, but then his resurrection and leaving pictorially our sins in the water. And so we're raised in newness of life. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. So we've just talked about how Jesus died for our sins, and he was put to death in the flesh, and that is the payment for our sins. Verse 20, who once were disobedient when the uh, patience of God kept waiting on the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, to what? To the death of Christ and the remission of our sins. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Now, again, it's not the baptism, not the washing away. In fact, he's going to say, not the removal of dirt from the flesh. That's the very next thing. He's saying, it's not the water I'm talking about, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's not the act of baptism that saves you. It's the appeal to God and saying, I am identifying with Christ, and here's a symbol of his death, burial, and resurrection to prove it. Um, and so that is a symbolic thing of what he has already done. Baptism also identifies the believer with Christ. Again, the same passages we were just looking at, um, we could continue in Romans 6. Uh, to verses 7 and 8, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So we also believe we're going to come out of what symbolically and figuratively is the water. And so we will rise with him in the last day. Again, um, we can see that in 1 Peter as well. Next, Water baptism is also a symbol of spirit baptism. Sometimes when you're looking through the scriptures, it's hard to discern 
what type of baptism they're talking about. Is this baptism with water or is this the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And simply the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when a believer puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They repent and they turn to God and then God sends the Holy Spirit to indwell the believer. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not some mystical action. It's not some speaking in some weird language. It's it's not some falling on the ground and, and having a convulsion or anything like that. It's simply when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of the new believer, which happens at salvation. But... Water baptism is a picture of that. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, John answered and said, that's John the Baptist, to them all, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so the water baptism is a symbol also of the um, spirit baptism. Acts chapter 1 verse 5, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So you've got one baptism, you've got one spirit um, all connected together there. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And all, of course all of these things work together. And so we have that the water baptism is also a symbol of spirit baptism. Now, why should I be baptized? I know what baptism is now. Why should I be baptized? Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, the Great Commission, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so right before that, he said that he has all authority on heaven and earth. And he's then commanding us to make disciples and to baptize. So we are commanded to be baptized as an outward testimony of what is taking place in our heart. Again, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This is not a question. This is not an option. It is a command. They had just asked, what shall we do? And he says, repent, turn to Christ, and then make it real in front of everybody else and be baptized. It is a command in Scripture. So why should I be baptized? Well, first and foremost, because God commanded it. Secondly, you can use baptism as a testimony to those around you. 
so you can share with them what God has done for you through Christ through the picture of baptism. If you explain it and explain what, what it's about and why you're being baptized, that will be a testimony to unbelieving family, friends, and neighbors, or even anybody who happens to be a passerby at the time that you're getting baptized. Now, who, how should baptism happen? Uh, other than being dunked under the water, who has the authority to baptize? Well, in Matthew 28, uh, again, back in, the, back in the same place, he's speaking to his disciples and he's telling them to go and make disciples and to baptize others. And he has given that charge to, in our economy, to the church. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 38, we see this is when um, Philip baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch. But think about who was Philip. Philip was one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. He was a deacon. And he was then going out and making disciples. And the Ethiopian eunuch comes to him. And he ordered the chariot to stop in verse 38. And they went down into the water, Philip as, as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And so it's always connected in the epistles and in Acts. It's always connected with the church. Acts chapter 9, when Paul is baptized, um, we see... Another leader of the church, Ananias, um, baptizing Paul. And so it's, again, given as part of the local church. Acts chapter 10 and verses 44 through 48, we have Peter meeting with Cornelius and his household. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message and all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So they came to Christ, verse 46, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Again, this is one of the strongest passages. As he already says, the Holy Spirit's already received. They already are testified by God through the giving of the Holy Spirit that they are believers in Jesus Christ. And then they are baptized. And Peter, as a leader and founder of the church, as an apostle, is testifying this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verses 13 through 17, has Christ been divided? Paul has not, was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Behold, uh, that beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of spirit, a speech, excuse me, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. 
And this is connected with the formation of the church in Corinth. So it's always connected um, after the resurrection. It's always connected with the church. Baptism is. Uh, you're baptized into a member of the church universal um, and into the member of the local church. And so the local church administers the baptism. That's that's the the way that God has designed it for today. So thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Freedom Fridays. Mm-hmm.